welcome to The Wrap, a weekly podcast covering women's sports news. Around the grounds this week, the NRL has announced a three-game State of Origin series for the first time in the women's history. Geelong, the Cats, have upset reigning premiers Melbourne Demons to progress to the AFLW prelim finals. And Mackenzie Arnold's jerseys are set to be ready for sale on shelves by Paris 2024. How good. For the key story, we'll chat to Australian hockey player Kalindi Cummerford about her recent experience with concussion and why she's so passionate about sharing her story. My name is Chloe Dalton. I'm usually joined every week on the show by my co-host Bez, who's I think at a music festival in Mexico as we speak, but we found someone uh, similar. Well, she was here last week to sub in. She's probably the best of the best. Australia's most decorated female Paralympian of all time, Ellie Cole. Welcome back. I am still not over in Mexico. I'm still just in Sydney. You're <laughs> still for, here. Thanks for having me back, Chloe. And hope you're having a good time, Bez. Yeah, sending love, Bez. Eating all your churros and delicious tacos and tequila. I think you mentioned the tacos and tequila last week. I'm not bitter at all about <laughs> it. Not bitter at all. How are you, Ellie Cole? I'm doing really well. I had a great weekend. I went camping on the weekend, um, which was amazing. Um, Where'd you go? I I went to Yaramundi. Do you know where that is? It's at the base of the Blue Mountains. Yeah, cool. Um, But no, it was great. Can you, sorry, just, I'm going to cut there. Can you hear that traffic noise? Yeah. It's a fucking rubbish truck outside my window. (laughs) How's the timing? They always rock up. Let me just close my door. As soon as you start recording. Okay, cool. Sorry, I'm closing the door. We're keeping that in, Bailey, okay. please, and thank you. <laughs> I'm back. All right. She's yeah, back. Yeah, so I went camping. I saw a bit of sun, which I haven't seen for a while, so I missed my old friend. Um, and I went camping in uh, on a river that was about shin height, so I could lay in the river and that was about it. But my chihuahuas had the best time because they had like, it was like chihuahua-sized camping. Um, I love so that. I had a good time. How's your weekend? It was good. Gosh, what did I do? Um I had a lot of nice family time actually. Oh, and I went out to the tie-dye project. I posted a reel about it on TFAP socials. So um, there's a Aussie Diamonds netballer, Amy Parmenter, who was a Giants netballer, but she's recently announced a move to a different club. But um, her and a girl called Molly co-founded the tie-dye project, which is all about making epic tie-dye merchandise to raise money for sarcoma research. So Molly is a two-time survivor of osteosarcoma. And, um, it was epic. There was like thousands of t-shirts, towels, socks, everything tie-dye was happening. There was a young girl called Mia who was 13 years old, who was shaving her head to donate it to Wigs for Kids and raise money for the cause. So that was, that was definitely a highlight of my weekend. It was really cool. That sounds amazing. That's the, um, same kind of similar to the same cancer that I had when I was little. I had, um, neurosarcoma, which is nerve sarcoma, but most commonly people are diagnosed with osteo, which is bone cancer. And it's really difficult to treat. So we certainly need um, a lot more research in the area. So it sounds like a great event. Yeah, cool. Epic. I'll, um, I will put the link in the show notes actually for anyone who wants to check out the tie-dye project. Let's take a look around the grounds. In football, in a historic move, Nike has pledged to make Mackenzie Arnold's goalkeeper jersey, along with other Matilda's goalkeeper's jerseys, available at major tournaments, starting for the upcoming Paris 2024 Olympics if the Matildas qualify. Surely we're on there for a qualification. 
<laughs> this commitment follows backlash during the Women's World Cup when Nike faced criticism for not offering goalkeeper jerseys, leaving fans and players disappointed. We saw um, the English goalkeeper Mary Earps went quite public about the fact that Nike hadn't created a goalkeeper's jersey for her and Nike then released, I think, maybe four different countries, but Australia wasn't one of them. This was about a month or so ago. So it's really cool to see that as part of this new partnership, um, this extended 10-year partnership that they've followed through with the Matildas jerseys. So Ash Reid, who's Nike's Pacific, Nike Pacific's general manager and vice president, acknowledged a bit of a misstep from Nike. He spoke to Isabel Coots for Optus Sports and said that they didn't serve those fans during the 2023 World Cup. However, they've reassured supporters by promising availability for future major tournaments, including that big event that's happening in France in 2024. This announcement aligns, as I said, with the extended 10-year partnership between Nike and Football Australia, making it the company's longest deal in the country. The partnership isn't just about these jerseys. It encompasses a broader commitment. It includes investment in grassroots participation, inclusivity programs, and the Legacy 23 strategy, showcasing Nike and FA's dedication beyond the elite teams to really impact the grassroots level, which is really cool. Uh, There was an assurance um, to fans that Football Australia is working with Nike to ensure ample availability of jerseys and merchandise for supporters. The focus will be on strategic planning to meet the demand and from um, Nike and Football Australia's and there's also been I guess a, a call out in a way to the retailers to make sure that they actually commit to to large quantities to ensure that there's going to be enough for the fans. I don't think there's ever going to be enough jerseys. I think a good strategy for Nike is to assess how many Australians, you know, how many, how many people live in Australia. I don't know, it's like 20 million. They're probably going to need 30 million. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like select a population and then and then add fifty percent to that. Yeah, I don't know actually why you haven't been offered a job yet. That is some good maths. I can guarantee you that all of those jerseys will get will become sold. But you know what I really like about that story is Nike's general manager Ash Reed. Uh, she acknowledged that there was a misstep, and then you know the solution obviously is to to um, develop those jerseys. But but you know you'd be spinning chips if you're a goalkeeper. They're the ones who, under the, the most high-pressure situation and penalty shootouts, are the ones that can dictate whether a country, you know, proceeds to the next round or not. And then just imagine not being able to celebrate yourself with your own jersey being sold. So um, it's going to be unbelievable to have a Mackenzie Arnold jersey. I know that I'm buying one. And so will other 20 million other Australians, I guarantee you, Nike. <laughs> they absolutely will. There's, there's my Ellie Cole maths that was so famous from the last episode. <laughs> It's become a theme, hasn't it? Yeah, quick maths. All right, well, let's look at some more football news because in recent developments within the A-League women's competition, the decision to postpone the anticipated clash between the Western Sydney Wanderers and Canberra United has sparked controversy and disappointment, raising questions about the professionalism of the league. Initially slated to take place in Bathurst, a pitch inspection highlighted unsuitability due to the impact of cool conditions affecting its recovery after the rugby league season. So the ground wasn't up to uh, scratch and the search for an alternative venue faced hurdles and ongoing resurfacing at the Wanderers' home ground at Blacktown. Consequently, the match has been rescheduled to Wednesday, March 13th at Wanderers Football Park. That's March 13th next year. 
Next um, year, it's a long really, way away. Yeah, it is a really long way away. Um, but as reported by Jake Snape for The Guardian, the postponement triggered critical reactions from Canberra United players with former Matildas player Michelle Heyman expressing frustration, labelling it as another step backwards in a social media post. Canberra United's discontent is compounded by their recent lack of gameplay, with last week's match cancelled due to Sydney FC's participation in the AFC Women's Club Championships and as the team faces a scarcity of matches in the upcoming month amidst the international window, the postponement further amplifies their concerns. However, efforts by Canberra to host the match were declined, citing apprehensions regarding the season's integrity. Alternative options, including switching fixtures, were explored, but venue availability constraints complicated the rearrangement process, frustrating both clubs and I'm sure the entire country. The A-League officials defended the decision, emphasising the necessity for venues that meet prescribed standards, encompassing pitch quality, broadcast infrastructure, commercial suitability and facilities. So these are all the barriers that we have seen in women's sport, I think, coming to light um, and luckily gathering a lot of media attention and hopefully this won't happen again. But how many times have we said that, Chloe Dalton? I know, and it's interesting, right, because you touched there on the – season's integrity piece and I understand that teams need to have an even spread of home and away games to make sure that it is fair but to me in this scenario surely you'd prioritize letting the game go ahead on the scheduled date over worrying too much about that home ground advantage wouldn't you think? Absolutely I think that protects the integrity of the game more than anything um but yeah we'll see what the decision is in in the next couple of weeks and um hopefully things can move forward. In AFLW, in a dominant display, the Adelaide Crows soared past the Sydney Swans, securing a commanding 67-point victory, led by the exceptional Anne Hatchard. The game unfolded at Norwood Oval, witnessed by a roaring home crowd, as Adelaide asserted their dominance early on, leading throughout the match with an impressive 12-goal 10-82 to 2-goal 3-15 victory. Despite Sydney's best efforts, the absence of key forward Beck Privatelli due to injury um, unfortunately, Priv went down with a Liz Frank injury last week uh, against Gold Coast Suns, um, and and she's a real leader in that group. She was formerly a Giants player. I'm a big fan of Priv and feeling a bit heartbroken that she didn't get a crack, but I think it really made it quite challenging against a Crows side that's very well known for their defensive efforts. The season, Crows had several players in their eighth AFLW uh, season, and I think when it comes down to these massive finals games, you can really tell the players that are calm and composed under that level of pressure. The standout of the match was undeniably Anne Hatchard for the Crows. Her exceptional performance recording an incredible 37 disposals and two goals set records and showcased her prowess as a standout midfielder, leaving Sydney's attempts to contain her ultimately futile. Adelaide's victory propels them to face North Melbourne in the preliminary final at Icon Park while Sydney's season concludes. Meanwhile, on Sunday, there was this game was an absolute thriller. So Melbourne Demons reigning premiers. Geelong haven't played finals for a number of years but have had an awesome season. So a lot of people watching the match going into it probably would have thought it's the D's game to lose, right? Geelong just came out of the gates, took a took the lead and I don't really know where it broke down for the D's. They lost um, by a significant margin against North Melbourne last weekend and I probably thought they were going to bounce back a little bit better. But um, they were trailing by 30 points at three-quarter time. 
um, and they managed to stage a remarkable comeback in the fourth quarter. So Eden Zanker was awesome. She kicked three goals, but the Cats just managed to hold on to their lead. They clinched the game, seven goals, eight fifty to six goals, nine forty-five. There was a chance for Lauren Pierce out of the ruck for the D's to kick a goal with like 30 seconds to go, but she ended up kicking her behind. Oh, it was, it was uh, so stressful. How do you it manage was, that stress when you're lining up for a goal kick? It was so, yeah, that's a lot of stress. So she, she took it, I think she took it straight out. Look at us both stressed. (laughs) She took it straight out of the ruck and just whacked it on a boot, which she's very good at doing. I think if you have a set shot, they just always talk about your routine. Like you just always have to come back, whatever it is, whether you toss the ball, whether you take a deep breath, whether you take a set number of steps, you just always have to come back to that. And we talked about trash talking last week. I have no doubt you'd be receiving a fair bit of trash talk if there was that level of pressure. But, um, yeah, I don't know. Hats off to Geelong. It was an awesome win for them. And Nina Morrison was amazing. She had 29 disposals, eight tackles and 10 clearances, while Georgie Prasparkas had 13 tackles and 19 disposals and just applied relentless pressure on Melbourne's midfield. It's a pretty historic milestone for Geelong. They advanced to their second ever preliminary final under the current final system. And they, last time they played in a prelim, it was when there was two conferences in the AFLW system. So this is kind of technically their first proper prelim final, if you'd call it that. Yeah. They're set to face Brisbane in the upcoming Saturday night clash at Brighton Homes Arena. And on the flip side, Melbourne's early exit marked a pretty disappointing end to their campaign, unable to secure a victory in straight sets after that historic premiership win last season. That kills me. I'm a D's supporter. Ouch. <laughs> but we did the tips last week. Who's your tip for the, the prelim? Oh, yeah. I got my tips wrong, didn't I? Hmm. Um, I don't know. I'm kind of going for the underdog. underdog. I'm backing Geelong in a close one. Uh, so am I. I'm hoping that Geelonga all the way now because I also yes. love an underdog. Yeah, I agree. And oh, I'm going to go in the other match. I'm going to go the Crows getting up over North. Okay, so North will win then. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, did she not? Is the connection? Did she not hear that? <laughs> I 100% heard it. <laughs> All right, let's go into uh, basketball because the Sydney Flames marked their first home game at Key Centre with a thrilling 86-81 victory over the Capitals, setting the court ablaze with their impressive performance. Dee Dee Richards and Paige Bradley's contributions helped the Flames maintain the lead early in the first, yet Canberra, led by Jade Melbourne and Monica Okoye, kept the game closely contested in the first quarter. Now, Lauren Nicholson's stellar performance for the Flames amassing 12 points in the quarter played a pivotal role in reclaiming the lead for the Flames, ending the quarter with a 29-26 advantage. And despite a strong comeback attempt in the fourth quarter by Canberra's Melbourne and Sharp, the Flames held on to secure a hard-fought victory. Lauren Nicholson emerged as a standout player for the Flames, delivering a masterclass performance with 25 points three assists and two steals. Didi Richards and Paige Bradley also shone, contributing significantly to Sydney's impressive win. How good. Up the flames. In cricket. So the Women's Big Bash League, the WBBL, is the most watched women's sporting league in the country and it sits only fourth overall on TV behind men's AFL, men's NRL and men's Big Bash League. So it is well up there in terms of viewership, which is incredible. We love to see that. 
For the first time ever, Australia's best female cricketers are taking over Australia's biggest stadiums. We love women's sport in the big stadiums where they belong. It's an elevated moment in history. It's more than a match. It's got live music, big light shows, and epic entertainment. The weekend will be played across three cities, Adelaide, Melbourne, and Sydney. We've got Friday, November 24th at Adelaide Oval when the Heat play the Thunder before Adelaide Strikers host the Perth Scorchers with live music from Becca Hatch. On Saturday, November 25th at the MCG, the Stars, the Melbourne Stars and the Melbourne Renegades will meet for an epic MCG derby, the first WBBL match at the iconic ground since the league moved to a standalone window in 2019. Entertainment there comes from Sneaky Sound System. On Sunday, November 26th at the SCG, um, the SCG is going to host its first standalone WBBL matches when the Sixers and Thunder go head-to-head in the Sydney Smash on a day which will also see the Hurricanes play the Strikers. The stadium DJ will be global party starter Young Franco. How good is that? Get amongst it. I'll put the link in the show notes so you can grab tickets. And we've also got a special discount code for people who are in Melbourne. So if you want to get along to that game at the MCG, use the code TFAP23 for half price tickets. I'll put the link in the um, in the show notes so you can get amongst it. What a massive weekend. Um, How good. It's been amazing. One question. I can't believe Sneaky Sound System is still around, but I've seen them live. They're pretty amazing. And another point, if you uh, do use the TFAP23 code and wear a TFAP t-shirt, then Chloe will give you a shout out on the uh, TFAP Instagram page if you tag them. Isn't that right, Chloe? 100% you will be. Yeah, we want to see as many TFAP supporters there as we can this weekend. Yeah, we do. Absolutely. All right. Let's go. Let's go into rugby league. Responding to impassioned calls from players and fans alike, the NRL has made history by elevating the Women's State of Origin series to a thrilling three-game spectacle in 2024. We've been asking for this since for a long time, especially for, the, for a very long time, because this decision was driven by overwhelming support. It brings parity with the men's state of origin, signifying the exponential growth and demand for women's rugby league. The series will kick off on Thursday, May 16th. So put that in your calendar. I know it's still a few months away, but it's certainly going to be historic as we move forward. CEO Andrew Abdo expressed the NRL's commitment to aligning the women's game with the men's while considering the semi-professional status of athletes and the NRLW's commencement in July. This delicate balancing act was crucial in ensuring a seamless transition and adequate preparation time for athletes participating in the State of Origin Series and the NRLW competition. The NRL also unveiled the highly anticipated NRLW schedule for the 2024 season, marking a significant leap forward for Women's Rugby League. With 45 matches across nine rounds and 15 venues, the NRLW continues its remarkable growth, offering fans an action-packed season. Highlights from the NRLW draw include a primetime season opener on Thursday, July 25th, featuring Premier's Newcastle Knights against Sydney Roosters at McDonald Jones Stadium, exciting NRLW doubleheaders at various stadiums, grand final rematches and consecutive primetime Thursday night fixtures to conclude the regular season. And furthermore, the NRLW Grand Final is set to take place on Sunday, October 6, alongside the NRL Grand Final, providing a thrilling conclusion to both competitions. 
You'll find the NRLW matches will be broadcasted on the Nine Network, Fox Sports and KO Sports, ensuring broad accessibility for fans to witness the excitement of NRLW action. So it's going to be a huge year of NRLW, Chloe. Yeah, I can't wait. And what I love, um, what you touched on there, is putting it in prime time. It's so important that women's sport gets an opportunity in prime time so people can get amongst it and watch it. Let's take a look at the key story. Earlier today, I caught up with Australian hockey player Kalindi Cummerford about her recent experience with concussion and why she's so passionate about sharing her story. Kalindi, thank you so much for joining us on the Female Athlete Project. To kick us off, for people who might not follow hockey, can you tell us a little bit about your career to date? Sure. So I would be classified as a late bloomer, I guess. Um, I my first nationals was with ACT. I tried for years with New South Wales and just made shadow. And then one year I jumped across to ACT, um, played with them at under twenty ones. Um, and then I think a few years later um, I ended up debuting with the Hockey Roo. So that was in twenty sixteen. Uh, ironically, the day I set up a meeting with my coach to quit Actas and the whole high performance thing um, was the day I got named to debut. And it wasn't because I wasn't loving hockey. It was because I was loving life. Um, so, yeah, I went into the hockey roos in 2016. Didn't play um, in 2017. Played for my spot at the start of 2018 and then was offered a scholarship in 2018 and stayed with the hockey roos until 2021. Yeah, cool. And Recently, you've unfortunately gone through a pretty horrible um, experience with concussion. Can you take us back to to when it first happened and what it was like for you? Yeah, sure. I was playing club hockey in Brisbane. I was actually against one of my former hockey route um, teammates. Um, no malice in the clash at all. It wasn't intentional, just um, that's contact sport. Um, I collided with her shoulder and she's probably like the biggest person I know on the planet, just like so tall. Um, and I'm quite short in stature. So it was like, yeah, the perfect storm. Um, yeah, my head was turned and hit her shoulder and I'd been concussed three times before, but this one just felt different. I felt my neck click. I can still remember the sound and straight away, like I couldn't move my eyes. I just remember it was like all really um, visual for me. I knew I was concussed. I didn't know that I would still be struggling. Um, however far along the line we are today, like we're in November and I still get symptoms. I still have similar triggers. Um, uh, yeah, it probably took, it took four months before I was cleared to go back to sport. Um, it took four months before I was cleared to go back to work. And I thought that was the end of my journey, but, um, what I've learned is that everyone's concussion journey is so different. And for me, I rehab to return to life like an athlete. So I was fortunate to be near the Surfing Australia hub and they just so happened to be like concussion experts. So we rehabbed me back into life like I was an athlete. I would like start with a walk. It was all really heart rate based, got back to running, sprinting, hockey. But the bit that was missing, and I don't know if it would have made a difference today, is no one told me to rehab my brain. So I don't even think I could, to be honest, because it's still a thing I struggle with. But my, I, I can't read sometimes without getting dizzy. I can't do highly cognitive things without all of my symptoms coming back. And when I returned to work after four months, it took two weeks before um, I felt like I had been concussed the day before. It was almost worse when I went back to work than when I was initially concussed. 
Um, so after a month, I stopped work and um, then Hockey One, the league I'm playing in at the moment, became a bit of a goal. Um, <clears throat> yeah, and I knew that I couldn't keep asking my work to make all these um like special conditions for me. I was brand new in the workplace and I was already stripping back my hours and I was stopping going into office and I didn't want the stress of having those sort of expectations. I was working as a law graduate at Deloitte and that's like a highly stressful job. So uh, yeah, I stepped away, um, let my brain deload and then worked towards Hockey One. And you on your own social channels, I've seen a number of TFAT followers sent it to us because it really resonated with them and it's obviously such an important topic. How did you get to that point of wanting to speak publicly about your experience? Well, I think in the very early days, I was looking for resources myself and I I couldn't, like you find the odd one on TikTok, but I was like, God, I just wish I had this succinct little tile that I could swipe through, relate to, look at some things that someone else is doing. So that's where it initially started. And that's what I posted after four months because I thought that's when it was done. And then the journey continued. And um, my response from my first post, I got like, I reckon I got a hundred people replying and writing to me and just randoms relating. And just, they were people who had been injured in sport, but they didn't have the same access to high performance resources like I had. And it really concerned me that they were two, three years down the line and still having problems. And I suppose my, one of my biggest takeaways is we don't actually know how to rehab concussion in Australia well, especially at just like I don't know if this is the right terminology, but like a civilian level, like not a high performance athlete level, Um, just a civvy, you know. They're the people who I continue to talk for and the reason I continue posting because I, I feel lost and I have access to things. So if I was them, I would feel lost. And I think a lot of the advice that I'm getting is time, time fixes it. But that's like I can agree with that in the short term, but in the long term, unintentionally I feel like it's just a bit of a scapegoat answer because we don't actually know and I think we need to get better at actually having things in place resources in place to rehab the brain so that two three years down the line I'm not having the same problems when I'm at work and some people are different everyone's different like I know there's probably a lot of people out there thinking how am I still having problems and you know am I the girl that cried wolf even though I'm playing high level hockey at the moment some people won't be able to raise their heart rate without getting symptoms and they can work. I'm the flip. And I'm grateful for that, to be honest, because um, I love exercising. I'm a sicko for it. <laughs> Aren't we all? <laughs> so can you, can you give us a bit of a rundown about how you're feeling now? You mentioned the Hockey One League that you're playing in. Um, how have you noticed your symptoms kind of progressing? Well, I got, I've deloaded to a point, which is pretty good, um, but the bit that I am still triggered by, the pieces that still um, flare me up, it's not exercise. So the hockey is actually incredible for me. I wasn't actually sure if I'd play hockey this year because um, I was transitioning out of sport, wanted to focus on my career. And what a cruel twist of fate. Here I am still <laughs> going along with it. Um, and it remains to be the only thing that I feel like I can do at full capacity. And that links me to like pre-concussion Kalindi. Um, wow. So it's really special for me, actually. And I've got this brand new relationship with the sport 
and the people in the sport and just the people in my life generally. Um, yeah. So, uh, other than that, the same triggers are still there. So like some days I, I just try and read a chapter a day in a book and some days I can fly through like three or four other days I can, I can't read a page. Um, mm. I am like petrified of having to do work on computers. Um, <laughs> I have more angst about going back to work than not working, which is funny because I obviously wanted to work to survive, but, mm. um, my experience when I went back to work was, yeah, not a good one. Um, sleep. If I don't get good quality sleep, I know that I've been through a rough day and, um, I'm still learning. Like there's, there's things that you wouldn't think that would um, trigger me, but like having two or three things that I have to do in a day, like today I've got to go to Bunnings and I know that if I was to meet up with someone socially for a coffee, that would probably be too much for me, at least back to back. Like I need some downtime before I go and do other things. So I'm Mm. learning and I'm very lucky to have so many incredible people in my life who are patient with, with that and understanding is probably the better word. Mm. Thank you so much for sharing your story and, and also for having the courage to speak about it publicly as well. I think as you touched on, there's so many people, whether it's at the elite level or civilian, as we're going to call it today, or community sport level, who have experienced something similar. So, um, yeah, I really take my hat off to you for, for taking that leap and creating a conversation. So thanks so much for your time and for sharing it with us today. Thank you. Honestly, I think I just love the camera, but um, no, I appreciate any <laughs> any platform where I can continue to uh, continue the conversation. I'm grateful for, and I'll jump at that opportunity. Awesome. Let's take a look at what to watch in cricket. Uh, as we touched on earlier, we've got a lot going on. So Friday at Adelaide Oval is Brisbane v Sydney Thunder before Adelaide Strikers v Perth. Saturday, November twenty fifth. The Stars v Renegades will meet for an epic MCG derby, the first WBBL match at the iconic ground. And then Sunday, November 26th at the SCG, first standalone WBBL matches at the SCG when the Sydney Sixers and Thunder go head-to-head in the Sydney Smash when the same day the Hurricanes will also play the Strikers. We look to AFLW finals. It's here because on Saturday, November 25, you can watch the first preliminary final Brisbane v Geelong at 6.45pm local time, 7.45pm Australian Eastern Standard Daylight Savings Time. Uh, Or you can go and watch the match at Brighton Homes Arena. On Sunday, November 26, you'll find the second preliminary final, North Melbourne v Adelaide at 3.05pm at Icon Park. How good. In hockey, the Hockey One Finals weekend is here. Uh, so it's uh, played across the two days, 25th to the 26th of November, Saturday and Sunday. We've got the two semifinals. So the Brisbane Blaze, who topped the ladder, are taking on the Perth Thundersticks, great name, and New South Wales Pride are taking on Canberra Chill, and then the final takes place on the Sunday. It's happening at the National Hockey Centre in Canberra, and you can watch it all live on 7 is seven plus. Is that it? Seven plus. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Seven play. Seven plus. Yeah. Seven plus. Yeah, that sounds right. And that's a wrap. We did it virtually. We got there. Yes. Hopefully um, you'll be able to hear everything that we said, but maybe not (laughs) due to technical difficulties. But see you next week. We're crossing all the fingers. Hey, thanks again, Ellie Cole, for jumping in while Bez has been away. I always, I love chatting any topic with you. We always have a good good amount of fun, but really appreciate you stepping in and, and adding your wisdom and experience to the podcast. So thank you. Thanks, Chloe.